good to be with you all, and um, I believe that after the fast, and I uh, was waiting on, on God, thinking, how do we move forward from here um, towards Easter, where we celebrate the resurrection? And uh, near the beginning of the week, I started to be drawn towards, actually, a couple of scriptures came up as I was talking to people and communicating with people, and one of them was the scripture that talks about taking up your cross daily and following after him. And that led through a series of different encounters with reading the word. I was reading, reading in John just before bedtime, just reading through John. And then, then I decided, and I believe it's what God wants us to do, is to, to, to talk about the blood covenant on the run up to Easter. So I'm going to begin like a series on the covenant, and we're going to do that for as long as is necessary, because I've felt in my heart that, and I know there is always more in, in God's kingdom. There's always more available to us, and it breaks my heart to see people struggling in their health, in their, in their psyche, in all of these areas, in their emotions. It really does, and I'm and I'm thinking, why is there such a, a strong attack on the church and, and people's lives? And, and I thought, no, this has to be broken. Yeah, this has to be broken. And, it's, and we talked about binding the strong man last week. But unless we understand the covenant, we really won't understand the Bible. Because the whole Bible is, is an Old Testament and a New Testament anyway. And I thought, there must be more. I know there's more. And I, like this week, I serviced my own car, so I changed the oil and I put an oil filter in. And I thought, great, but the car's still telling me that it needs a service. Well, what, I thought it would automatically know, you've just been serviced. Reset yourself. No, it wouldn't reset itself. And then I found out that there's another menu behind the menu I'm like, hang on a second. Ah, I didn't know that. And just through a series of turning the key to the first position and pressing this button and that button on the steering wheel for the same amount of time, something new appeared in front of my eyes. And it was another menu. I'd never discovered it before. And only after a few seconds, I had reset the service indicator. And I thought, hey, I did not know that. You learn something new every day. I give one of my pupils a tube of glue this week. He couldn't open the tube of glue. I says, have a look at the cap. But one day I was that boy looking at the cap. I didn't know it had a spiky thing in it that you push into the glue. And that released the glue. But before he had done that, another boy had squeezed the tube so hard that the crimp had come out of the end of the tube and all the glue came out the other end of the tube. There's always more. And we need to know the more. And the covenant, if we know the covenant, we know more. Amen. So, you know, I know that there's people, I just felt in my heart this morning to say, I know people have come in here this morning bringing a sacrifice of praise. This week has, you know, we've encountered circumstances in our, of, our, of our own People have reached out. We've been in to talking to people about various different things. And I think, 
you know what? This is timely. This is timely because, you know, we do face trials, tribulations, and we go through all sorts of circumstances, and they, some of them hang around for far too long. But um, I thought, well, let's get into the covenant and find out what the covenant means to, what has it done for us? And I was, when I was reading in John at bedtime, I was reading about John the Baptist. So here's John in John chapter 3, and he's baptizing people, but then Jesus comes into the area, the vicinity, and he is also baptizing people. And then some people come over to John, this might resound with some of you, and say, Rabbi, teacher, we just want to let you know that the one who you spoke of, Jesus, he's also baptizing now. And then they say the thing that either is a, would wither you to nothing, or depending on who you are, they say everyone is going to him. Everyone's going to him. And so I thought, wow, if that were us, how would we react? How would we react? I wonder if John suddenly felt irrelevant or canceled. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> or would we be able to, like him, celebrate the ministry of Jesus? Because he knew what it was all about anyway. Do you know what I'm saying? And so would we be able to do that? Something, someone else is thriving. Somebody's ministry is thriving. Rejoice. Rejoice. Someone is doing better than, and this is the thing in the age of social media and everything, you always think everyone's, everyone's, I heard something like this week that everyone puts the best of what they're doing on social media and you're on the worst of your worst day and you're reading it. You know, I mean, it's, you're going, it's always going to be a little bit discouraging, you know? So, you know, would we rejoice that people were being purified? Would we rejoice that people were being baptized? Or would we be a wee bit envious? Would we be a wee bit jealous maybe and allowed, allow a little pride maybe to rise up because we want to validate our own mission. We want to validate our own ministry. Amen? And we do that. We self-talk. We talk to ourselves. We make the statement to ourselves. Amen? Someone's doing a little bit better than we are, but are you still worth it? Yes, you are. Because when you remember, when you know what the covenant means, you know that you are always worth it. Amen? So these things, you know, um, John might have thought, am I still worth being followed? Well, yeah. He, he went on, but you know what? He said something so, I want, don't want to say deep, but maybe it is if you think about it. He says, that's, he must increase. I must decrease. He had everything. He knew exactly. He was a placeholder there doing what he was called to do until Jesus came. Amen? And so, you know, sometimes we look to other things that are going around us, and we think, if I can find a little bit of error in that, that validates me a little bit. You know, that makes me feel a wee bit, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm right on this. I have been wrong for years. I have been. I'm wrong every week. I'm wrong about things all the time. All the time. And I've, I've discovered that 
when you read the word of God, it puts things into perspective. And you begin to understand that you're th you can change your thinking, you can change your mind. So that scenario that John and Jesus, it plays out in our minds every single day. In 2024, it's amplified beyond belief through media, the news, and everything else, you know. So whenever you hear of something, instead of thinking, wow, I wish the sky would just fall in my head <laughs> today, you know what, I'm just, I'm not amounting to much. When, understand, when we look at the covenant, I believe we're all going to get a grip, a new understanding of what's going on. Amen? So John responds to the, those people that come and say, you know, speak to him. And you know what he says? And I'm paraphrasing this now. You can read it in, your, in the word yourself. But he says this. There's nothing that I have that I've not been given by God. I know exactly who I am. I'm secure in who I am. I'm secure in, where I'm, in what I'm doing. I'm secure in where I'm going. I'm just a placeholder in this time and space and I am here to represent the one who's given me everything that I have anyway. That was basically John's response. Amen? All the glory, all the accolades, all the fame, all the followers, they belong to Jesus anyway. These people are his. They're his people. But because they're his and I know where I stand in relation to him, they're mine too. We can celebrate together. Amen. My joy, my joy is complete because my role in his kingdom has been a success. Amen. I've managed to stay faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. By the grace of God, we hear it. I've managed to stay faithful. Amen. Because uh, because I am and never will be above him who has sent me. And in fact, he must increase and I must decrease. Wise words from John. He knew, he knew um, where, what his ministry was for and he knew what Jesus' ministry was for as well. Amen. So John exalts Jesus' ministry. He was a humble man. He was a simple man. He wore animal skins. He ate, lo ate locusts and honey. Anyone tried that before? Anyone tried some? Who's been to Africa? There's some of us. Have you tried Mopani worms yet, Lewis? No, we haven't tried those things. Also, anyway, this would, so you get the idea of this most simplistic guy. And uh, not long after this, he is put to the sword. He's, um, you know, there's a bit of um, treachery goes on, and he's put to the sword. But he was the one who was to be the voice that cried out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Be prepared for the Lord. Be prepared for Jesus coming. So he did what he had to do. He lived the life that he had to live. And it was a pretty meager life. But I'm sure that he was the happiest guy on earth, probably. Amen. He recognized all I need to do is do what I'm called to do in this time and this space. Amen. My life's purpose was to do what I was sent to do. What is your life's purpose? Amen? Because, and Pastor Bernie, he, he really goes on. He, he's very, very focused on this purpose. In fact, they've begun 40 days of purpose down at the church in Ayr. 
And so purpose is important. Amen. So, but his purpose, John's purpose was to fulfill the prophecy that Isaiah mentioned in, uh, in, in the Old Testament. And um, when Jesus came and was baptized by John, that was it. The, the prophecy in the Old Testament was fulfilled. Jesus, the, was, was, um, the Holy Spirit descended into, uh, on, upon Jesus. He went out and did his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. From that time on. Amen. So, um, what about us? I don't know about you guys, but I strive. And sometimes we strive and we strive. We bend to the expectations of others. You know, John could have capitulated and, and, and taken that to heart. The people came and said to him, any of us can take something, a word. You know, there's lots of withering words out there. People will speak words that will wither your heart. And we have to, be, we have to learn that, you know, words, we know how powerful words are. Don't give them a place. Don't give them a place. Don't meditate on them. Don't give them the time of day in your heart or in your head. So anyway, we strive, but we've got to let the Holy Spirit lead. Amen. And I think I've said this before. I just want to see us have simple Christianity. It's not complicated. It's simple. Can we as a church, can we just ebb and flow with the Holy Spirit? Because that is really what we, that is where, that's my prayer for our church, is that we flow and ebb and flow with the Holy Spirit. We flow and ebb with the Holy Spirit. We stay rooted and grounded in the truth of God's Word. Amen. And uh, that's, that's what we do. So this, this whole scenario led me thinking about how I follow Jesus. And then I went to Matthew 16, 24. All right, so I'm thinking about John, the way he responded to Jesus coming, his ministry, the what he said about Jesus, and I'm thinking, how do I follow him? And then in Matthew 16, 24, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? No, nothing is worth more than your soul. So the New King James Version says, puts it a different way. It says, if anyone will deny himself, amen? And so this, you know... Um, by all accounts, if you look at people in God's word, and even if I reflect on it, denying myself, taking up my cross is a very, very difficult thing to do, it would seem. Amen? So let's move on. What if we, though, understood the power of identifying ourselves with Jesus Christ and with the cross? Have we truly visualized ourselves? Have you visualized your life, your desires, your will and all of that, have you visualized that being nailed to the cross? Have you visualized that? Think about Jesus on the cross. We've seen an image of him there on the media, arms stretched wide, open, his hands open. Have we thought about our life? And so, do we appreciate this identification with him's not only means that we will partake with him 
in suffering, but we also partake with him in life. So this is the exciting thing, is that when we think about the cross and our lives crucified, we partake in his suffering, but also in his life. Amen? And that's life everlasting. Amen? And so we're going to teach a bit on the covenant because the covenant gives us certain rights as believers. It also gives us certain responsibilities. It gives us certain privileges, but it also gives us certain obligations. Amen? And I believe that we've got to understand these or we will not know the victory that's been won for us. And the victory has been won. Amen. Amen, Gail. The victory has been won. So a quick foundation. There's two covenants. There's an old covenant and a new covenant. An Old Testament and a New Testament. The words are interchangeable. They mean the same thing. Okay. The word in Hebrew for covenant is berith. And it means to cut until blood flows or to cut where blood flows. Amen. So God made a covenant. He's made a covenant. He made a covenant with Abraham. Amen. We call it the Abrahamic covenant. This was the Old Testament covenant, and God superseded that covenant with a covenant that he made with us, with man, and that is the new covenant. Amen. And so if I wanted to explain covenant to someone today, I'd probably explain it along the lines of a legal contract, something along those lines. Amen. I think the word covenant today is sadly underused because when you really understand what a covenant means, it carries such weight. And I think that, you know, we, we are, it's too easy to get out of a legal contract these days. You know, it's really easy, but a covenant is totally different. And I want you to understand that a covenant is the weightiest of contracts. There's nothing flimsy about a proper covenant. Amen. So today, these days, we'll just go and sign a covenant, like I'll get a new business deal. There's my signature or a handshake. It's like, no, that's it. That's all I need. That is not the same kind of covenant that we're talking about here. The covenant we are talking about here was ratified in blood, sealed in blood, okay? It's sealed in blood, okay? Not just any blood, the blood of Jesus. Not just any blood, not the, not the blood of an animal, not the blood of Jesus' blood, amen? So God's contract with us is sealed with blood, amen? The old contract, the old covenant with Abraham was sealed with the blood of animals, all right? Animals. So it becomes obvious immediately that the new covenant is much better than the old covenant because the old covenant was the blood of animals, and the new covenant is the blood of Jesus. Amen? You believe that? Amen? And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, and I'll read it quickly, Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that's far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God. And here's the amazing thing, based on better promises. Amen. So it's a better covenant, all right? It's a better covenant. I've been in some lousy covenants in my life. I should maybe ref refrain and say lousy contracts. <laughs> 
But there are certain covenants that matter. Amen? So we need to understand the covenant if we want to understand the Bible. Because all of these promises, the better promises, all of them, and all of the word comes under the context of the covenants. All right? So the blood covenant actually goes away back to the beginning of creation, where God has a covenant with um, Adam in Eden, okay? And um, the first time an animal was slaughtered, God had to do it to clothe Adam and Eve because they were naked. So the, the blood of an animal was shed because Adam fell from God's grace. He disobeyed the Lord and he partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that was the first time that the animal was slaughtered and the blood then was involved and the, the, the hide of the animal covered their nakedness. Amen? The, hand, the kind of covenant that we are bound to is sealed in blood. It's not a handshake, although you may have heard of people cutting their hands or their arm, whatever, and shaking and mixing their blood together. We'll get onto that just in a moment, okay? So, unless, in God's eyes, unless blood is shed, there is no covenant. Covenant doesn't exist without the shedding of blood, which is why, and I'm not going to give a biology lesson, which is why when two people come together for the first time, in God's God's eyes, it should be done in covenant, and blood is shed during, the, during intercourse. Now, that's God's word. I'm just the messenger, and I know I've fallen short, and I'm sure mate, we all fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short, but we need to still understand the covenant, so I'm not going to pull any punches over the next few weeks. just going to bring it like it is. Amen? So, um, so here's the, so this a blood covenant is important. It's not a covenant unless it's sealed in blood. Okay, so if I was in a covenant with someone in the way in which God views covenant, what would it mean? It would mean that everything that I have becomes theirs, and it means that everything that I owe also becomes theirs. They also owe that. Okay, and so. The other person, whatever he owns, becomes mine. And whatever, whatever he owes, I owe. All right? This is how important it is. And that's why God tells us, be careful with who you yoke up with. Don't, get, don't become unequally yoked with an unbeliever because they don't understand covenant. They don't understand. So, all right? Otherwise, you take on a heap load of stuff, trouble, onto yourself. Okay? So... This is the case. My assets and liabilities and his would be shared one with another. All right? If I made a covenant with Craig, everyone in my lineage would be under the same covenant, and everyone in Craig's lineage would be under the same covenant. This is how important and how binding a covenant is. Amen? So you can see how serious this is getting, because if you keep the covenant, that's great. But what if you break the covenant? What happens then? Well, that not only has serious implications for you, it has serious implications for the people who are under you, their lineage. And in fact, 
if you go back into the Old Testament, and thank God we are no longer under the law, but once the covenant was sealed, they would walk around. And so the guy, the guys that made covenant and the one covenant partner would walk around and said, I bless you, my house and my mountain and my stream and my place and my animals and my flocks, they are yours and I bless you. And, and all of the use of my land is yours. And that's as long as we keep covenant, it's all yours. But woe to you if you break the covenant. May the fleas of a thousand camels infest your armpits. May you, so at the time of making the covenant, not only would blessings be pronounced, but curses would be pronounced because if you broke the covenant, you would come under a curse. Amen? The, and, and we know the, the curse is in the word and the curse, the curse of the law of sin and death. So God says, I've got a brand new covenant for you, and if you walk in this covenant, you will be free from the curse of sin and death. Amen? So anyway, so this is the blood covenant that exists between God and man. It's unbreakable, all right? Unbreakable. Now, we can break covenant, but who's not going to break the covenant? God. God, God will never break His covenant. We take covenant far too lightly, not so the Lord. All that God has, all that He can do, and all that He is belongs to you and me. Amen. All that we have, all that we are, all that we can do belongs to the Lord. Amen? God gave us His Son at Calvary, gave us Jesus, and we can make a decision just as, just as some of you in the church here have made decisions in the last six, seven, eight weeks for Christ. We make a decision to give our lives to Christ. They belong to Him. When we give them to him, they belong to him. We all want to take it back again or strike a, I'll do a deal with you. I'll do a deal. You can have this part of my life and I'll keep this part here. I know that deal well. I know that deal. Amen. So before the life of Christ can enter us, we must give our life to him fully. So it's an exchange that is beautiful, but it's not unequal. It, if we do not give of ourselves God has grace. God has mercy. But the full life of Christ, the abundant life will come in when we give, when we take up our cross and we follow him. Amen. Matthew 16, 25. If you try to hang on to your life, can you imagine? Hanging on like a rope at the last knot of the rope. Hanging on to your life. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. I think that living, I know and I've experienced this, living a life with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom is the most exhausting thing that you can ever do. You will be worn down, depressed, sad, unhappy, because you're never the twain shall meet. You will always be unhappy because you're trying to please your, you're trying to please your flesh. You're just trying to satisfy the, the needs that you have. And at the same time, you know that Jesus is saying, come up a little bit higher. I've got a better life for you. And we're in this. And that can last for a long, long time. Amen. So we have a tendency towards serving ourselves. Would you agree with that? We have a tendency. But if we give our lives to Jesus, we are saved and we become one with Christ Jesus. Amen. So here's the awesome thing. God doesn't have any debts doesn't have any. He has no liabilities. 
All that God has are assets. And all those assets are there for, for us. The assets are there for those who would follow him. Amen? And we have no idea. I would love to bring a message on heaven. I once, I once heard Pastor Walter Hallam, who dedicated the Vaults Lane in, nine, in 2000, something around there. Pastor Walter wrote a book called A City Called Heaven. Oh, man. When you really study and you know what heaven is going to be like, you're like, oh, everything, the, the silver and the gold is yours, everything, the cattle on a thousand, everything is his. He has all the assets. He has all the assets, amen? So he is all of that. We, on the other hand, we actually don't have any assets. You might think you do. We, I might think, yeah, I'm, I'm doing quite all right. Thank you very much. Mortgage is paid off. This is, you know, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying mortgage is paid off. This is done. This is all sorted. Everything's fine. I've got no credit card debt. I've, everything's cool, you know. But I tell you one thing we do have. We have debts and we have liabilities. We can't say we have assets. And yet God decided, he's like, I know that you have really nothing to give to me, but I created you and I love you. And because of that, I'm going to enter into covenant with you. You come, come to me with nothing. Come empty-handed, that's okay. That's okay. John the Baptist, locusts and honey. You know what I mean? Bear skin or, or goat skin or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Nothing like that, amen? So as we begin to understand the covenant and make sense of the scriptures, in Galatians 2.20 it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. In other words, I'm no longer living for myself. I'm living for you. Lord Jesus, I'm living for you today. I'm not living for myself. I'm in a new covenant with you now. Amen? Matthew 10, 38 again. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. So we need to seek to align our lives with God's will, plan, and purpose for our life. Adam, unfortunately, did not come into alignment. The, the, it, 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 I can hardly say this. The Edenic plan, Eden, that plan did not work out quite the way that God had intended. Adam, because of, you, you, you know what happened there. The day that Eve transgressed and Adam listened to Eve and they'd done the deed, they died. They didn't die physically, they died they became separated from God because they had disobeyed him, amen? They, they ignored him, and they had this death come upon them, which takes us to Romans 6.23, the wages of sin are death. The wages of sin are death. And, you know, when was our, I know that Pauline and the team will know this because it's in, you know, Pastor Tom's manual and stuff, and, and, um, but we know our last act of obedience was our last act of worship, you know, worship doesn't, worship isn't 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. We worship him with our lives. Amen. That's how we worship him. So this is what happens. The wages of sin is death. So God slaughters the animal to cover the sin of Adam. Skin was used to hide his nakedness. The animal was just a shadow of what was to come. The animal, the animal was, a, was a type of Christ but Christ was still to come, amen? So 
The moment that Adam and Eve fell from God's grace, what did they fall into? Debt. They fell into indebtedness. So when we fall from God's grace, we fall into debt, all right? God paid that debt back as an example of what was to come. Jesus is coming soon, amen? He knew that one day you and me would need to be saved so that the debt could be paid. The debt was already paid, but we just needed to receive it, amen? I mean, if someone comes to you and says, listen, I've got to get out of jail free here for you pretty much, you know, you're in deep trouble. If you would just read through that, read the terms and conditions, you accept that, receive it, yeah. I'm just going to say sign on the dotted line. (laughs) You know, and, and then... So we have to receive it. So that's how powerful the blood is. If you look all over the world, I mean, i would spent a long time in Africa. A lot of us have been on mission to Africa. Primitive people, even in nations all around the world, Africa, Asia, South America, they know what the blood covenant is, but they've perverted the blood covenant. So the blood covenant, they know the power of the blood covenant. I brought this book today. This is the second one I've bought. This book is called David Livingston. The truth behind the legend. I gave my book away to someone, and I was going to say they never gave it back to me, but that's not true. I forgot who I gave it to. <laughs> and so I have this book here. It's brand. It's almost brand new, and um, I have got so much out of this book. And I'm going to say, if anyone would like to borrow it, borrow it, <laughs> then you can come and see me afterwards because I want it back. They're hard to get. This is, was written by a New Zealander, a Kiwi called Rob McKenzie. And this book, man, I'm telling you, this book on David Livingston's life and what he sacrificed to emancipate the slaves and to bring the gospel to Africa is incredible. And there's so many um, accounts in here of when they had to cut covenant with the tribes. If they had not, you see, when you read this, they would not have been able to prosper in any way unless they had cut covenant. They would not have made a road through Africa unless they had could cut covenant. And you've heard of Dr. Stanley, eh? Dr. Stanley. So Dr. Stanley, he had around 50 covenants, covenant scars on his arms. He had around 50 of them, according to according to history. But anyway, so people understand the blood covenant and the power of the blood covenant. Some people, it's cut their wrists and they let the blood mingle and drip into wine and then each party drinks the wine. That's a perversion of the blood covenant. Okay, that's not how we, how, that's not reflective of God's covenant. What about cannibalism? You know what they believe? So that if they delimb someone, and they consume that part of the body, they are twice as strong, like a hand or a heart. They're twice as strong. The whole person, they're twice the man. So these are things, these are, these are perversions, but, the, but, but what I'm saying is we have to understand the blood. The, they, people see and they know. The Bible says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And so even in their state, they see that there's something powerful about the blood, and if you ingest the blood, that it makes you stronger or wiser or whatever the case may be. Amen? And I know that's very gory. I'm sorry for saying that, 
But we're just, I'm just going to preach like that because we need to know these things. If, it, if nothing else, it'll, it won't make for a boring Sunday morning and it'll, jo- it'll jolt you. Yeah, it'll jolt us, you know. I'm like, uh, he was talking about cannibals this morning, you know. And so, so they made these, they made these um, covenants. Stanley, all these covenants they had to make. And so they cut the covenant and then they'd rub ash into the wound because when the scar heals, the ash made the wound, it blackened it so you would see, okay? So you've got this type of thing going on. And so if ever they got into a threatening situation, all that they would have to do is go like that, lift the sleeve. And of course, what do they see? Oh, hang on. Who are you in covenant with? Oh, well, I'm in covenant with chief so-and-so or tribe so-and-so or all these tribes. Ah, okay. We're not going to mess with you. We're just going to leave you alone because that is, that's how they understood covenant. All they had to do was do that. Evidence. There has to be evidence that we are in a covenant Amen. And those, those people that they were in covenant with, they would go to their deaths on behalf of the person that they were in covenant with. That is how much, that is how strong the covenant was. Would, would, would any of us go to our deaths, leaving that a big question mark this morning, take up, will we take up our cross? And what does the cross represent? It represents the death of one thing and life in the other. Life on the other side. There's life on the other side of the cross. Amen. Resurrection life. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, For future content, please subscribe. And if anything spoke to you or was relevant to you, please leave a comment. If you want to find out more about the church, how to support the ministry or connect with us, then go to bridge-church.com. So until next time, Thank you for joining us and goodbye.